0: Hello, ghouls and ghouls. Please notice that coffins are conveniently located at the front and rear of this mausoleum. When leaving the crypt, we suggest that the portal at the front of the mausoleum will allow easier access to the afterlife. Thank you.
1: Aswaliaso! <laughs> <laughs> soul Fine. You want to turn it into that? You want to turn that into this kind of podcast? Let's go. What'd you love about it, Butler? Because I'm going to kill it. We're supposed to assume that you know that she's going to have bloodlust, and you're shocked and angry when she bites you, when you have an open wound right in front of her. Like, make it, dog. Make it, dog. Hello. I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field,
0: and you're listening to the Forgotten Horror Podcast. Scared yet?
1: You will be.
0: Each episode, we will highlight a horror movie that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. It could be because a scarier, creepier movie was released at the same time. Perhaps audiences were accidentally transported into an alternate universe. Or maybe audiences didn't see enough of the movie through their hands over their eyes. Because they were scared. You see where we're going with that? We'll break down the movie as well as discuss what we like or don't like about the movie. But we'll always suggest that you bring this movie back from the dead for a revisit. If you're not too afraid of our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Nice
1: job. <laughs> nice. Ooh, the, the evil F. Yes. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Oh, so we are week two of our annual second annual forgotten horror series oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so our movie this week is the house with a clock and its walls a nice short title <laughs> uh i guess oh i'm doing the synopsis that's right i was just about to kick it over to you and that's my bad all right so let's get my google synopsis out that i lost because i started reading this review of the movie <laughs> on npr which which was slamming it i don't understand why but anyways here we go 10 year old lewis goes to live with his oddball uncle in a creaky old house that contains a mysterious TikTok noise. Not to be confused with the TikTok app that's going to be banned soon. He soon learns that Uncle Jonathan <laughs> and his feisty neighbor, Mrs. Zimmerman, are powerful practitioners of the magic arts. When Lewis accidentally awakens the dead, mm-hmm, not true, the town's sleepy facade suddenly springs to life, revealing a secret and dangerous world of witches, warlocks, and deadly curses. Well, that's not good at all. That doesn't, that, that that's not, the, the last line doesn't even happen.
0: Yeah, that that, that kind of blows.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I apologize. I mean, he kind of raises the dead. Yeah, but He, he, he by a, raises one dead. Not by accident. He did it on, he did it. Well, oh, he did it on purpose. <laughs> just, I mean, he was trying to impress a boy named Tarby, which I don't know what that's short for.
0: Young Corey Feldman, you mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe. All right, so House with a Clock on Its Walls is a runtime of 105 minutes. It's rated PG. Production budget of $42 million. It's opening weekend. It did twenty six million domestic, sixty eight million, and worldwide one hundred and thirty one million. I was looking for DVD numbers, mm-hmm. and I could not find them. Uh, like it was it's just, it's hard to find home boxes. Yeah, ones. which it's like, what is it like a closely guarded secret that we're not, we're not allowed to know? Production company was Amblin Entertainment. For those who don't know who Amblin Entertainment is, that's Steven Spielberg, Reliance Entertainment, Mythology Entertainment, and then Amblin Partners, which I did not look into further. I'm assuming, obviously, they're a combination of Amblin Entertainment and something distributed by Universal Pictures. Now, this movie came out on September twenty first, two thousand eighteen. This is only a two year old movie. That same day, you had Life Itself and Assassination Nation, which we didn't we didn't get
0: at our theater. Assassination Nation? Yeah. No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and then in a limited release, The Sisters Brothers. Uh, that's actually pretty good. If you haven't seen it, you should check that out. The week after September twenty eighth, we had Smallfoot. That was the kids' movie. Night School, Kevin Hart film. That did very well. Hellfest, which was okay, and Little Women, not the Little Women that came out the next year, not the Greta Gerwig movie. This is the one that had Leah Thompson in it when they were. It was in like the present day. And we, I think, we had that for a hot minute and I, was it did say, I don't remember yet. having that. No, I maybe mean, we might not have, but it didn't do anything. <laughs> so then the week before, which was September fourteenth, you had The Predator, which Mike likes. I do like that. A Simple Favor, which I have not seen yet, and White Boy Rick. And you also had Unbroken, Path to Redemption, which is the sequel to the first movie Unbroken, but has really nothing to do with it. It's it's about the same guy, but it's more of a faith-based movie, so it's um not great. I love those. Yeah. I mean, that's not about whether it's faith-based, it's just a lot of them aren't well done. They rely on the message rather than actually making the movie. Would you agree with that? Sure. Yes. All right. You're gonna cut all that out, aren't you? I have a problem. <laughs> no, no, I'll keep it. All right. So directed by Eli Roth. Which is surprising because I forgot that, number one. Oh, I always remember I totally, f- I totally forgot that. D- Eli Roth, Um, he directed his first movie. Well, his, I guess his first movie that kind of brought him to light was Cabin Fever. Then he did Hostel and then more recently Death Wish. But this is this movie, The House with the Clock on is the last movie directed. He hasn't done anything for...
0: Oh, this came out after Death Wish?
1: Yes. Death oh, Wish okay. was before it. Death Wish, the remake, which was with... Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, which was...
0: Okay. I mean, it oh. wasn't... It wasn't
1: awful. I was. I didn't.
0: You didn't like, like it. I. I thought the whole movie was about the message, and it had no message. True. Okay.
1: Mm, I guess it was just about him kicking over tables and getting that shotgun at the end. Remember? Yeah. They had made a big deal about the, not the kicking over the table, but they made a big deal about the the, coffee table, and like she, he went to the uh, gun store and she showed him where you click this button and the gun comes out and you grab it. And it was like it's like five minute scene just so we can have it at the end. So, anyways. Uh Eli Roth is also, he plays uh, the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards, if mm-hmm. you've seen that. He's the one that has the bat and comes out. It's he's 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 okay in that movie. Written by Eric Kripke, which he is responsible for Butler, The Boys, the TV Boys show. And Supernatural. And Supernatural. He's also for in terms of movies, he did the Boogeyman or uh, Boogeyman 2, and maybe Boogeyman 3. <laughs> uh, this is based on a novel by John Belairs, who passed away in 91. But John Mr. Bellairs, has written countless uh, young adult or children's fiction uh, books in this, in this realm. This series in and of itself is the first in a line of... And so after you had the house of the clock in its walls, featuring the character of Louis Bar- Barnefeld, he was in The Figure in the Shadows, The Letter of the Witch in the Ring, The Ghost in the Mirror, and The Vengeance of the Witchfinder. Now, those were all books that Belair's wrote before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And then like there are books, obviously, that someone else has taken after he passed away as a state, and they published. And there's been some more books with that character. But yeah. I mean, I don't really know if those I guess they do count, but they're not really they're not really solely written by him. So if you like this movie and you like the book, those are other books that you can kind of grab onto and uh, follow that story along. Cinematography by Roger Stoffers. I probably said that wrong. He has worked on School of Rock, which is another Jack Black movie. The Vow and the uh, I guess suburban thriller Disturbia.
0: That's the one with Buff. Right? It's essentially... Rear Window. Rear Window, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Composed by Nathan Barr, who's done Cabin Fever, Club Dread, The Hunt more recently, and Lost Boys, The Tribe. And the reason why I have that in there is because I watched that. Edited by two people, Andrew Eisen, who did Brightburn. He's also edited the Mandalorian TV show, and he was an assistant editor on Claire and Present Danger. Uh, and then Fred Raskin, who has done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Bone tomahawk and raskin's actually done a lot of tarantino's movies kill bill uh, hateful eight so he's worked on a lot of tarantino films and produced by bradley fisher eric kripke and james vanderbilt kripke obviously uh he's the writer but he all and he he produces a lot of the stuff that he writes but he also was an associate producer on the adjustment bureau which is an episode we did uh, mm, yes, a couple of months a couple weeks ago i was gonna say a couple of years <laughs> ago and he also did the show timeless in addition to supernatural and the boys you like timeless right i like timeless because it filled a void of that kind of show, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it's great. Like it's there's cool. It's stuff. It's scratching
0: an itch that you wanted. But yeah, it but it, yeah.
1: but at the end of the day, I'm just like, mm, all right. Like <laughs> I, I can't sit there, man. You gotta check timeless. I can't. I can't do that to you. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Fisher produced uh, Ready or Not, which just came out uh, last year. The remake of Suspiria, Zodiac, and Black Swan, and then Vanderbilt is actually Fisher's producing partner, so he's just. The movies I just said for Fisher, just add those to Vanderbilt's. All right, so our cast is Jack Black as Jonathan Barnevelt. Mr. Black is in The Cable Guy, King Kong, the uh, Peter Jackson King Kong. He's also a member of Tenacious D. He's also in Tenacious D, the movie or The Pick of Destiny. That's what it's Pick called. Destiny, yeah. And he's the Panda and Kung Fu Panda. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kate Blanchett is Florence Zimmerman. Uh, Miss Blanchett has won the Oscar for uh, acting in Blue Jasmine and The Aviator. She was also nominated. In the following movies, Carol, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, The Golden Age, I'm Not There, and No on a Scandal. So she's, uh, she's very good. And she's also in A. M. Jones and the Kingdom So she's mm-hmm. all that of <laughs> Kingsville. <up. laughs> Embrace oh, your pride. Just say it. Say the
0: title. <laughs> oh, and
1: Vaccaro as Louis Barneville. Uh Vaccaro is basically just in the two Daddy's Halls movies. That's, I mean, he's in a bunch of other stuff, but they're, those are the probably two I'm thinking people might know. Kyle McLaughlin has come back for Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: We've he has a lot of comedy. We
1: did. We did. He's Isaac Izzard. He was in Blue Velvet, which was an episode we did in season two. Yes. yes. Season two. And The Trigger Effect, which was an episode we did this season. And Twin Peaks. And the TV show Twin Peaks. I do. Getting there. And Flintstones. And the. Oh, really? Flintstones. He's the bad guy. I know in, he's uh, the bad I'm just surprised that that's like credit you toss out there.
0: I just think it's funny that he's
1: uh... a. <laughs> <laughs> Renee Elise Goldsberry as mm-hmm. Selena Izzard. She is from the, uh, she's from the play Hamilton. I think we did. What was the other movie we did with her? Didn't we just do something with her? Because I remember uh, having this Hamilton conversation with you. Uh, was it her? I know
0: that she is Quelcast. Well, yes, she's an altered carbon, Alter carbon TV,
1: carbon. TV, and she's also recently in the movie in Waves. But she's on. You can see her on Disney Plus. She's the with the screening of Hamilton they have on there. She's she's one of the original cast members. I'm looking through it. You... All right, oh, Colleen oh, Camp Mrs. Hatch- Hatchet, Hatchet, Hatchet. Mrs. Hanchett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in the movie Clue, which we did uh, in our season five audience choice season. And she's also in Dara with a Vengeance. And she looks very different than she did back then. Uh, mm-hmm. Sonny Solgic Suljic as Tarby Corrigan. I need you to, to tell me what Tarby is supposed to be short for. Tarpolithu?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just couldn't get over the fact that the kid looked like a really young Corey Feldman. Well, I was he's, like,
1: wow. he's the kid in mid-90s.
0: Is he? Yeah, Uh, uh,
1: and he's also in Killing of a Sacred Deer. And then finally, you had Lorenzo Izzo as the mother. Uh, She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Green Inferno. I believe she's the ex-wife of um, Eli Roth, which doesn't mean anything, but just throwing that out there. Go for it. So
0: Renée Elise uh, Goldsberry, she was not on any of the other films we had done. However, uh, she was in Star Trek Enterprise, so I have to throw that Star Trek (sighs) reference out right there. So boom, there you go. Also in the game, Star Trek Away Team.
1: Is she going to be in the the cartoon Lower Decks? I
0: don't know. I still have to
1: watch that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh one last note is that the this is the first eli roth movie not rated r that's yeah. what it says yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, it it's very i was always very surprised that he did this film that's why i always remember that he did this one
1: i do i couldn't i didn't even find anything on like why he did the movie um but i was
0: pretty sure it's because he has kids and he wanted to do and he wanted to movie. do like a movie with right. kids plus it's you're working with spielberg well
1: Well, as as much i don't know how i don't know how hands-on he is now um in terms of producing he might be i know that he gave input on what the clock would look like at the end Uh, something about that he gave input on but i don't know how hands-on he is anymore it's very spielbergian though the whole film the whole well i'm gonna i say the same thing about this movie that i would say about zathura is that like 11 12 year old me would have loved this movie. Like this is a movie that is almost plucked from that time Mm -hmm. from the eighties, that kind of sensibility and put now, Uh, I, I I don't understand. I really don't understand why it didn't catch on. Um, I mean, this is probably one of the first movies that I, I mean, I can guess why it's quote unquote forgotten as, you know, I don't know why I'm putting our own title in quotes, (laughs) (laughs) but we'll find out. Um, it just seems like a movie that people would dig. You think people just don't like getting scared anymore?
0: I think that people don't. We talked about this with Monster House. Yeah. I don't think people like having their kids get scared anymore. Mm. And I don't know why. I think kids should get scared every once in a while. We also had Goosebumps 2, a series that Jack Black started, although he's not in Goosebumps 2, that came out two weeks later.
1: That's true. That's true. I so didn't that have that. Then, I only did the week after. Yeah, yeah that kind of right. trumps the you're Halloween. Right. And kind of Goose, the first Goosebumps is actually a very good movie. The um, first
0: Goosebumps is kind of like this, where it's got kind of like an older sensibility.
1: Uh, the b- couple of things that I like about this movie are the the sets, the design of the inside of the yes. house, the um even the out even the the town itself, Zimmerman's house, which is all purple, but just kind of all the touches in there from the fifties. Um, I, I appreciated that. I also like the lighting, the outside lighting. I thought was very idyllic in terms of just it's it, and i'm gonna tell you right now it's probably nothing special but it's just the way it's lit it just felt like a classic classically lit classic Absolutely, older films yes. you know what i mean uh I, I, that's something that i really appreciated i mean that's it, it's just there's so much in this movie that i enjoy jack black is very good in this movie he's uh planchette is very good in this movie i it's really really good i really movie. didn't have too i really didn't have too many. I mean, negatives, I can nitpick about stuff, but there's like a lot of lines that I enjoyed in this. Um,
0: so that's it, everybody. That's, that's, our yeah, that's the show. That's the show.
1: <laughs> I will say this. If you didn't know that Tarby was going to be a jerk, even though he's dressed like Rebel Without a Cause, uh, <laughs> I mean, then you just, you got, you got fooled there because you got to pay attention.
0: <laughs> I, but my, my note about the aesthetic of the film is that I like that they let it take place in the 50s because it would be very easy to modernize this film. To say, right. oh, mm-hmm. let's take it and we'll make it take place today, right now. Uh, But the 50s aesthetic gives it a very unique charm that is very different from what you see nowadays. It's very much like, I know when they wanted to do Harry Potter, when Steven Spielberg first was talking about getting the rights and doing the film, they talked about placing it in America and taking place modern day and stuff like this. And you know, it was like the Britishness, that castle stiffness to it all is very much part of the charm of Harry Potter. And that's very much part of, I think, house with the clock in its walls, that 50s aesthetic and and look to it and feel of it. The lack of cell phones and stuff really gives it its charm. I think that's a lot of the charm of the film.
1: Well, it would have been an absolute mistake to do that to Harry Potter. I mean, just they would have had a full uproar if oh, they yeah. did that. Yeah. The book itself took place in 1948 and 49 and they moved it to post-World War II to kind of fit the story, which it, it makes sense. Him getting lost at war and finding I the, very much like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really truly the only frightening scene is when he meets Azazel in the woods in the Black Forest. That scene is very creepy. That yeah. that's really the only frightening scene. There's a little jump scares here and there, but there's nothing like even like the Jack Lanterns are, are 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 CGI, so they're really not I terrifying.
0: Think the toys are pretty creepy.
1: <laughs> but the fact that the fact that that's referenced several times by yeah. uh Jack Black, well Barnaville, yeah, black he's like black. so creepy even in death. So creepy. So- Uh, but what i was going to say before was uh with with shows that deal or with stories that deal with magic Mm -hmm. when you place them in the past it's a different time it's it's only i know it's the 50s but that's over 70 years ago and when we look back on in a different time period the idea of magic existing back then it's for some reason more plausible more possible like you know, the internet and all that connected stuff. well like for but part of the world's more of a mystery it is that exactly like even when movies that took place like the old ways when they talk about the old ways when you deal with like a lot of times that took place in the in in new orleans when they talk about voodoo and stuff like that and yeah. they talk about different times when people believed in different things and we're you know in the dark ages when people just started not believing anymore but there was you know they, anytime they put put it in the back in history it's so much more plausible because you're not there. Okay, I, w- I don't know what it was like back then. There's that little, like you say, mystery. Yeah. If you put it in today's time, it it, I, it takes a hit. You have It's very hard, I guess, to believe it. You've got to
0: explain it a lot more. Right. I mean, now you have to say why it's not out in the pub- public and why it's not out in the open. Right. Back then, you don't have to worry about why other people don't know about it.
1: The only show or movie that I thought did a decent job of that was True Blood and i think because it's the locale because it was the deep south and but then that also during that show they also part of that show had the plot line where they be they expose themselves vampire says hey this is we exist and it became part of society that kind of thing mm-hmm. but um but yeah so like in person i'm thinking like i keep thinking of percy jackson how they're like you know when they went to the camp and then they talk about how you know they have powers but like uh, nobody knows, nobody can know. I, I can't But like, it's stuff like that. Like, like Harry Potter even did, does a good job of it. But again, I don't know if that's because it's in England. You know what I mean?
0: I think Harry Potter does a good job of it because you're in this area away from society. And then when you do see Harry back home or in modern day, you see either, you know, you see the, the double decker bus that kind of disguises itself and hides, right. or you've got the Aurors who go out and make sure, this stuff doesn't get out there. right? So they've kind of explained that away. Like if you even try to do magic out there, you're going to get caught. Right, right. So they they do a good job and very, without really like hammering it home or showing a lot of it, they just kind of explain, this is why it's hidden. Mm -hmm. There are very extreme consequences if you even try to show your magic.
1: You do have to, like you said, you have to explain it away. You have to talk about it when it's in present time. But a movie like this, taking it back to House of the Clock and its walls, it's in in the 50s. So there's that little bit more yeah he keeps it in his home all yeah. the magic's
0: at his house so the rest of the world doesn't know about it right i not he, taking cell phone pictures and uploading it to youtube or whatever
1: right right so you have that huge fence and everything's behind the topiary lions back there you can't yeah. see it yeah they just
0: know he's weird <laughs> and he plays the sax at three
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly but even her house even hanchett's house across the street is is looks awesome too like her house Zimmerman's Outside of Zimmerman's house, I love that house on the corner there. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's the corner house. Do they show the outside of her house? They sh- they show it briefly when Owen's walking to school, and and he turns around to wave to them. It's okay. the first time there, and they're both kind of waving weird. He's actually walking past her purple house. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know so that. Okay, they never show it again. But that's, that's uh, you got it. the idea that that's her house. Um, so yeah. what what did you what kind of I I talked about the lighting and stuff like that. I talked about the we talked about the aesthetic. What's something else that jumped out at you? I love like you said the house is just gorgeous it's awesome uh the the
0: amount of detail and stuff in it is fantastic i love the window on the staircase and i love every shot that's got that because not only does the the window change and you get all these different symbols and and stuff in there but even when you're not focusing on the window there's this pop of color at the top of even this this drab kind of almost adams family type house that in those shots it kind of shines through and it's it's a very even though it's this creepy kind of Adams family-esque Munsters feel to it, it's still got a lot of color. Yeah. But it's muted, but it's there. And they don't necessarily have to draw out the, the picture from the, like the cinematographer doesn't have to go in or the editor doesn't have to go in and go, all right, now let's make it gray and drab. Mm-hmm. It's It's part of the set. It's built into the movie. And I really appreciate that deep Use mahogany
1: color. colors Yeah. I mean, she but she pops too like was there, all purple all the time so her color pops all the time oh yeah yeah
0: Jonathan's uh fez
1: yes always yeah.
0: pops into the outfits he wears so
1: but here's something with the house it turns awfully quick
0: it only goes I to, you know that what too. I mean yeah.
1: the house likes you <laughs>
0: the house doesn't like you anymore when
1: lewis brings Izzard back from the dead the house knows that it's back and and the house some of the some parts of the house awaken in terms like the the downstairs basement one with all the dolls, uh, all the creatures, because when barnabelle goes down there and he's they're like he's coming back, he's back, like he moving yeah and stuff like that. But the house it's like when he walks past that window and the window shows him three graves.
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't get that because the house doesn't want Lewis to go. The house is friendly with Lewis and stuff, but now the house is showing them dead.
1: So the original when the original owner is still around, the original they go to the rich whoever the owner of the house is that's who they're loyal to is that what that means it's it's very
0: confusing because chair is still a friend they killed chair because i guess chair didn't turn well but the window tells but maybe the window's warning he's not actually well he tells
1: lewis don't go but he i think that it's obviously that the whole idea was that they knew lewis would raise him
0: oh so you think the window's working against them i
1: i don't know i mean you gotta you gotta ask you gotta do you trust the house now
0: yeah but at the end then at the windows showing <laughs> well, all three of them all other, otherwise they'll break now, it down now the window's like oh no guys I'm I, was always, I, was to I,
1: I was always i was always hip to this i was i knew on your side. i knew he needed to come back from there <laughs> because i knew that's how we could stop him
0: but Cher is always on their side that's what i don't get
1: yeah
0: i mean the dolls the creepy dolls are not necessarily part of the house because they're items that they bought after well same with maybe chair then.
1: Why assume that the, the 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 dolls and all that stuff that are part of his act were part of Wizard's act and he just put him in the basement? Yeah, he you know, because he this was supposed to be he died.
0: So he had died a year before this. movie, Right. So he
1: had just passed away yeah. in the movie. So, yeah, so he's even then it's like, how is that Barneveld's house?
0: Well it looked like Barnevelt lived there when they were first doing their shows, but it's still Izzard's they still house lived together yeah then when Izzard got married it seemed like Jonathan got kicked out
1: yes, where'd he go
0: I've lived on the street yeah. I don't know I like also Arleter I
1: like the fact they didn't make Zimmerman and Barnevelt a couple like they're friends they're 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 at the end they're a bevy of of swans of black swans but yes. they're not like romantic interests I didn't no, get the, which I like that, which yeah. I appreciate and I didn't catch this. In terms of Zimmerman's, I, I re- the couple of things I liked about um, were were there's two particular scenes I enjoyed was the scene when Zimmerman explains to Lewis how she's broken on the inside, mm-hmm. and I didn't catch this when I first watched it, and I didn't even catch it when I watched it again. <laughs> I caught it in the notes was that if you look on the picture behind her or the picture in the scene. You see that, um, I don't know if she has it or her husband has it, the numbers on her arm, like they they were in a concentration camp. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. So that's what you're supposed to assume, or that they were in a concentration camp. They passed away there, the daughter and the son and the father, and she was injured. Um, But, you know, how she was broken on the inside, how her magic doesn't quite work.
0: I just figured she got caught in like a bombing or something because she was in Paris.
1: I just thought it was like, yeah, I thought maybe it was a car accident or something like that. Yeah, no, that. So when I read that, I was just like, ooh. and I like that I like that background I like the fact that they don't make it so overt you know I like that it's just kind of she knows it and the filmmakers know and the writers know but we don't need to know we just need to know it's something that was really bad
0: and that influences later on one of my favorite scenes which is when she's talking to Jonathan about how Jonathan's giving up on the kids that was my second yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely when When, dad I was like damn that's acting (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. When she, cause she has two lines in there and she's just like, children make mistakes, they get in trouble. That's why they're children. And then when he complains, he says, like, I'm scared. And she's just like, you know, being scared for them 24 seven. That's the whole damn job description. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Like, that, that is. And it's just like, and she's, and she's got, you know, got the, another word for you, coward. Like, yep. that's all. No, she's, she's really, they're both really good in this movie, but she is really, like, she's got some, she's got some good lines. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, he, uh, Jack Black's got some funny lines and he's, you know, I like his line. Why not just eat cookies for dinner? They're far more delicious like, <laughs> that, when he first meets uh, Lewis and he's just, he wants he offers some cookies. And he's like, I haven't had dinner yet. Um, so, but she's got like she's got a lot of good lines. I guess yes. that's what I'm saying. Written for. It. I also like her when she kind of, at the end when she says, "But now I'm indomitable." Yeah. yeah, that stuff. That's good too. That turn. But but did you know? Obviously, she doesn't join them in the final fight. No, she's, okay. she's fighting William Snakespeare. Yeah, that's because uh, scheduling issue, she couldn't do it. They had, to write oh, her out. Really? Yeah, they had to write her out of it. So that's kind of unfortunate.
0: I kind of liked it better without... With, with just them two? Because it's them two, but then Jonathan also very quickly gets out of the picture as well for the most part. True, true. And then it's just got to be Lewis facing his fears and right. letting go of his parents and stuff like that. I I really like the final scene with just Lewis there. Although I really don't like... uh. Creepy baby, Uncle
1: Jonathan.
0: <laughs> that is kind of it's. He might be the creepiest thing in the movie.
1: You can't, you can't take your eyes away from it. <laughs> Can you imagine? being like, okay, uh, Jack, we need to do this for the uh, movie now. So uh, you ready? He's this right, all right. for, it. for the, Yeah, right. <laughs> do you want me to be naked? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too late. Already there.
1: Uh, we haven't. We so we've basically talked about most of the movie. We haven't talked about the kids. Uh, we talked about Dar- Tarby a little. I was gonna say Darby. We talked about Tarby a little. <laughs> And I can't remember the girl's name that you what the his not his friend his the platonic friend that was into insects. Yep. Uh, I can't remember her name. Hey, Rose. Rose. Okay. She, and she was all dressed in pink all the time, yep. which I thought was great. Uh, so my first thing is that when they he first goes to school and they pick him, they're going to like they don't want to pick him. They pick the kid with the them. polio, probably <laughs> the kid with the crutches. And he's like, great hustle, man. Good hustle. Thanks, coach. And then they start playing basketball. That's not basketball. There's like 14 people on this on the on each side on, and they're just throwing the ball around. There's double dribble constantly. That's not basketball. That's an atrocity. It's just gym time. I'm just saying. Lewis is right not to play.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lewis played, Lewis sucked. <laughs> when the, the kid in the crutches takes the shot, just lobs it.
1: <laughs> or the fact that Tarby's buddy, uh, Woody uh, is just for some reason beating on a bunch of Davy Crockett fans. Like there's like three kids with the Davy Crockett hats. And he's just like, what, what, what do what, what you, doing? you don't like Davy Crockett? That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. Ridiculous. Tarby's such a dick. <laughs> well, he's not, he's not a nice guy.
1: He's not a nice guy. He, what, what... he
0: does it till he wins the, it's nice till he wins the election. Yeah. And then he goes back to being Tarby. You gotta, you gotta run every year.
1: Yeah, whatever.
0: You got to rerun everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My note about the kids was that I didn't think Rose had enough screen time. I guess maybe she's part of the books and she comes into play later.
1: I think this movie, the the hope was probably to have a second film.
0: Yeah. I mean
1: this this is the kind of I don't honestly in this in this day and age of world building I don't know why you didn't just do a second movie and just didn't like I don't know maybe there wasn't any need for it or call for it. maybe it didn't do well on home box office.
0: Well, it made it didn't it didn't make its money back no
1: uh, the first episode of the season oh, no, which I made was it money
0: back, I made it money back it's money back well hold on
1: the first episode we did this season was terminator dark fate and we talked about how that a movie that has like a 200 million dollar budget it's got about an 80 to 100 million dollar budget for marketing that's something we found we found out so a movie that that's terminator 42 might be a little
0: different than that
1: okay but a movie like this it's 42 million dollar budget uh, in terms of the production budget well, how much do you think goes into marketing? Twenty? 35 20, Okay, let's uh, yeah. let's split it. 20, 20 25. twenty, twenty five. Let's say twenty-five. That brings you to sixty-seven. It's domestic take is just barely that. So it, it made money in worldwide, but you got I mean, I again I I would be curious if I mean I would assume that this is this puts the movie in the black, but maybe just a little bit. I'm really curious about its home. You know, home rental. rental Yeah, I'd really want to know how how much it would make there. Like, what was the movie that we just talked about that did, like, $40 on home video? Oh, Vampires, Vampires. last week. Yeah, it
0: was all home box office.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, that did four... That shocked me, $42 million home box office. Like, this is a kid's movie. It's had to do something like that.
0: Yeah, well, Vampires back then, though, that was back when you went to the video store. That was back when it was like, all right, let's go. True point. Yeah, I
1: guess. This movie was also... So this book was written in early seventies, I think nineteen seventy three or seventy two, and in nineteen seventy nine, it was an on the episode, I think on the first episode for a show called Once Upon a Midnight Scary, which is a CBS show that Vincent Price hosted. So it's like it's like one of three uh, stories that Price kind of there's two there's actors in there there's, they're doing the story, but Price is uh, narrating a little bit. I okay. watched some of it. it is not good (laughs) it's like i don't want to watch (laughs) it's it's like if we shot it in my basement and that's the only part we use but we kept using we kept saying it was like a big house like it was like a lot of that it was not and there was some kind of witch in there at the end and and she was like look at me turn around i was just like i gotta get out of this (laughs) (laughs) so i guess this story was done before (laughs) (laughs) did you notice uh on the cinema marquee, uh, "Spaceman from Pluto," no. when he first shows up. Do you know what that's a reference to? No. Okay, so that's two things. One, it's the title of the book that Marty McFly uses when he puts on the spacesuit okay, to yep. mm-hmm. trick George McFly. But the reason why that's in that movie, and probably why the reason it's on the marquee here, is that there, Sid Sheinberg was the producer of Universal Pictures at the time, and he wanted to call. He thought Back to the Future should have been called Spaceman from Pluto. Like, he was like, uh, he wanted to call him that. That's what he wanted the <laughs> name of the movie to be. And Spielberg sent him a letter. And the way they got around it was Spielberg sent him this memo or his letter or note. And it was just like, oh, man, that joke is hilarious. Thanks for help, thanks for jo-. Like, he just kind of wrote it off like he was just joking. But it's like, could you imagine if they called that Space Spaceman, from Spaceman, from Pluto Pluto. <laughs> Spaceman from
0: Pluto 2? Back to Pluto. Spaceman from Pluto 2. 3. Wild, wild.
1: Pluto? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, yeah, not good. Uh, actually you know you know maybe i bet you the book title was first before that and then that's why Scheinberg probably wanted to to use that name maybe that's more accurate he probably saw the the book was probably part of the script he's like oh i love that whatever oh yeah that's stupid title don't 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 dare do that (laughs) (laughs) is there anything you didn't like Uh, because we've been sitting here probably telling uh, what we love about it
0: like I said, I wasn't so a big kids. fan of,
1: of Rose.
0: She's not in it a lot.
1: Because she's not in
0: it a lot. And I, I feel like they're kind of building her up to be end up being nothing. Right. Except for, I guess, his only friend he guys in school at the end. Give him some hope. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I also wasn't a fan of the lion pooping. The the All of it? Or just like it was too much? Every time he poops, I was just like, all right. All right. <laughs> Poopy joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, the kid's movie. I know. I'm, I'm sure I would have laughed back then, but I'm I'm thinking now I'm like, I don't know if that's necessary.
1: Did you watch the whole credits all the way to the end?
0: Not all the way to the end. So, no. the,
1: so when you watch the credits, the credits have like the characters animated on the right and left yeah. side. And then at the end of the thing, the final credit comes up and all the characters are all together holding hands and they're all like bowing. But like one of the characters is Zazel, and he's holding baby Jonathan and he's just like, and they're all, it's all creepy. They're all just like, <laughs> hmm? I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he that was the that was that was scary for me.
0: I thought, when he licks his hand when he licks the blood off his yeah. hand. I thought that was all awesome. I really liked how they handled Izzard I, I liked the way that he was a good a good person, and the war turned him bad. And even even when you see the flashback where he's lost in the woods after his platoon got shot, he's a medic, so he's mm. not even fighting the war. He's nonviolent, right? And that all causes him to become this villain.
1: He was looking for a way to end it all, to end the war, end the war, and yeah. everything, and then. Uh, Azazel gives him the idea and everything. There's no humans. There's no war. Which, uh, yeah, it's flawed logic because then you're all by yourself for for what? Nothing.
0: Him and his evil wife forever. Yeah. Which I also didn't get. If he's only doing evil because he feels like it's doing good, his wife is clearly just evil. Yeah. His wife is a century Bellatrix from uh, (laughs) Harry Potter.
1: Yeah. And she can, uh, whatever, morph into different people, but it doesn't look like it's pleasant.
0: No, I actually didn't like that effect. That was one of the only effects of the movie where I was like, "That's kind of weak."
1: When she shakes, when she shakes, and her yeah. head
0: like kind of goes. It's it's
1: it's it looks like it hurts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and also he's gonna be all zombie like for the rest of his life when he's brought back from the dead. They can't like make him normal looking again. Yeah, I don't know. When he's stuck zombie. I'd be like, oh, no thanks.
1: Well, when he first walks into the into the house, mm-hmm. he's. Little white and he looks older, but then when after he kisses Mrs. Hanchett and then she becomes Celine and then he comes in again, yeah, he looks like his, his makeup changed a little. He
0: looks a little more colorful and his eyes are redder. Yeah, he's no longer breathing in smoke or dust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's well, then why do you think uh, we talked about it a little bit, but why do you think it's probably forgotten then? Why, um, why do you think people don't? I mean, nobody talks about this movie with me. Like, like somebody, <laughs> nobody will talk about this. Moment. No one
0: wants to talk like, about like, it. Like, if I bring
1: it up, people will be like, what's that? Or
0: I think it's a kid's movie, but it's got a lot of stuff that adults can really appreciate. I don't think anybody going into it realized the movie it was. Right. That it was this, like, late 80s, early 90s Spielbergian kids movie. Right. That it has these moments of, of actual kind of creepiness. And I think, again, I think parents don't want to bring their kids to that. They, if it's a Halloween movie, it better be. Kooky and so you I think mean it's this sh- is kooky, but it's it's got to be more like Goosebumps, where it's like they're fighting gummy bears. It's just like that's that's. But the Goosebumps has got kids. scare in there too. It's got some scares.
1: Well, how about this? You're saying maybe the trailers and the promotions for it should have pumped up the action adventure angle more and kind of dialed back and don't show the horror and just trick them getting in there and then be like, oh, by the way, you're gonna get scared.
0: I think the trailers showed more the goofy humor. Yeah, and I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Even if maybe don't show the horror stuff, but show the action adventure stuff. Show that it's going to be this Goonies type, you know, adventure. Like kids are involved; it's a kids' adventure, but it's they're dealing with a more adult kind of situation,
1: right? In a way, I think the title hurts it. I like the title. I know you need uh, uh, because based at the book, I don't mind it, but I think the title probably hurts it a little. It's because it's so long and it's so mouthful.
0: House with a clock in it. But what are you gonna call it? Uh
1: clockhouse clock
0: and <laughs> oh, clock. Clock, clock in the walls wall clock I don't know yeah maybe just call it Lewis's <laughs> <Louis's>, Lewis's <laughs> <Louis's> day out
1: Lewis <laughs> Barnevel and the house and the clock in the wall <laughs> yeah so it, uh, again it's probably not a great there's probably not a better title out there maybe, maybe there is um I think that it came out in September doesn't help it like so kids are back at school yeah you're three weeks in you're not thinking about you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: September's tough for movies because everyone's back in school, so parents are getting used to that schedule again.
1: So I, I don't but I mean, I know this movie's not a Halloween movie. So it's, it's a
0: Halloween movie. Well, it's a scary it, movie. It doesn't take place in Halloween. That's what I'm movie.
1: saying. So this could be a summer film.
0: Yeah, but I, mean, I think the the jack-o-lanterns and the the I mean, that was in all the advertisements with the jack-o-lanterns in front of the house. Yeah,
1: sure. So then then let's let's say this. You put it out in Beginning of June, end of May, when school's getting out, and then you have enough time to put it out on 4K Blu-ray or whatever on Halloween. Yeah, that's, you know, that's so. True, then you yeah. just use that. But instead, now you have it come out in September, and I believe the Blu-ray came out in a January, in winter, probably. So I missed Christmas. Yeah. Well, so you yeah. completely so. Mm, eh, so that tells me that Universal really didn't know where to put it, or maybe they just didn't. Maybe they weren't big on it. I don't know. I think yeah, I, 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 I don't think the release date helps. I don't think the title helps it. I think you're right. I think people shy away from something that's a little scary. The, the, the difference with this movie and Monster House, which is what we talked about, is that if I when I watch Monster House now, granted, it's older than this movie, the the animation's a little bit more dated. Oh, for sure. You yeah. know, so this uh, the benefit of this movie being a live action film, having two quality leads in there, actually three quality, Kyle good four quality, they're all good. There's nobody that's not good in this movie with the exception of you don't like Tarby. No, never <laughs> never <good. laughs> um, you, The kids are, what, but the adults are great. The right. Yeah. You know. Lewis is pretty good. Yeah. So I, and, and Eli Roth does a really good job. I, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan. I mean, I, I saw Hostile. hostel. It wasn't like, I just, cabin you know. fever is good. Yeah. I, but I remember watching, I think, I don't know. For some reason I didn't, did cabin fever and i don't remember why i
0: thought you told me you did like it
1: i like some of it there was something about it that bugged me the and
0: shaving i shaving scene because that's
1: gross <laughs> i can't remember i can't i don't remember too much about it um i know i know it wasn't a bit i'm not a big torture porn guy like, no, which me is neither. what hostile is yeah pretty much i don't need to sit here for i mean nothing. that bothers me it's just eh, uninteresting and when i say torture porn if you don't know what that means that's Kind of like a movie that just shows you graphic. It's just showing you. It's like the disturbing. Saw films after two. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, how do we kill people? Yeah, and it's just that's stuff you go. That's the only reason. Lots a lot of some people like horror movies for that reason, just to see the the, the effects and what they do in different ways that's to kill thing, people. Like, and th- that's fine.
0: That's cool when you know you watch the first scene in Hostel and you're like, all right, that's some cool prosthetic effects. At least when I'm watching them I'm like, all right, but all right, is that
1: the whole movie? Then? Yeah, yeah. Man, where there's no real story. It's just how can we kill different people different ways. Yeah, and I don't poo-poo people liking that stuff but that's when i'm more of a story guy so it doesn't really i don't it doesn't translate well for me
0: gore has never been my big yeah like i love i love horror films but gore has never been what i like about horror well, films we're gonna
1: do a movie in two weeks the evil dead movie where i thought is way too much blood just for oh, this like i feel like there was. A, we'll, we'll, we'll go get into to it, it. we'll I get I think to that's that.
0: what the whole that's what evil dead is I, I, that's fine that's not well, i don't think that's gore though I mean, this is that's that's played more for laughs.
1: I got well, I guess. All right, we'll get. Well, that's a different movie. Um. So yeah. So just back to the original point: the the, the title, the release date, probably that it's a little scary. I think those combination of that. I don't think this is a bad movie. I just was reading a review, and it was from NPR at the time, and I can't remember where is it. Where is it? Because I was just had it here. So I was just reading the review. And it, 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 the house of the clock on its walls is an eyesore. And this is from Scott Tobias from NPR. And I didn't read the whole article, but I'm going down and I'm looking at the bottom and it's like, what's lost in this adaptation are more insinuating horror or the notion of magic as a craft that takes constant discipline or refinement to control in a word atmosphere. So it's the short-term excitement of jump scares and readily accessible spells are a poor trade-off for the steadily deepening mysteries and fears that made Bellard's book such an enduring classic. Okay, so... First off, it's not a it's not a book. It's an adaptation of the book. Right. So this guy likes the book and now he's and that's fine. So yeah, and that's fine. But it, it's also still a PG kids movie. So you have to kind of understand that some of that stuff's going to be there. I get it. The The topiary, uh, the fart joke topiary. It's too much. It it's it, it maybe like they do it like four or five times. Yeah. You know, and it, I it maybe one or two less. It'd be fine um, for some people. It's but I get that it's a kid's movie. So we have to kind of just allow for it. But I don't, I, you can't, you can't tell that you can't, this movie's not bad. This movie's not quote unquote an eyesore. Well,
0: it's only got a 57 metascore, 6.0 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes, actually it's fresh, but only at 65%. So it just made fresh. And audience score only gave it a 44%, which I don't What understand. am I missing? What am I missing here? I think audiences, uh, talked about this in the other episode, and I got crap for it. Wait, by me? But, no, not for you. But everybody wants a Marvel movie. Everybody wants these kind of modern slick films that are are all style, no substance. And again, I, I got crap for it, but I watch the Marvel movies, so I enjoy them, but that can't be the only thing you watch. And that's what a right. lot of people want in their films, is is this just let's just do glossy stuff and like mm-hmm. that's it. Goosebumps is probably like everybody wants to see goosebumps too, because it's got the it's got the gummy bear guy and yeah, the dummy. It's like yeah. that's it's that's what they're going for. They're not they're not going for the story or the adventure anymore. Mm-hmm. They're going for the shtick.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about the complaints where we want original we want original movies. We want original stuff. We don't want superheroes. We don't want marvels. Well, here's the movie right here. Yeah. Two years old.
0: Clearly we're wrong, Mike. I, I guess. I guess I guess we don't
1: we're not we're not getting it. We're not we're not understanding it. You just it. don't get it, man. Uh, this is what we spoke to me. This is what we didn't speak to me. Okay, man. I don't, I don't understand what, what you want anymore. Ant-Man 2 is
0: high cinema. (laughs) Ant-Man and
1: Wasp, it is not. Uh, yeah, no, this is a good film. This is a good movie. It's got good, it's got great acting in it and it's, it's fun. It's an adventure and exciting. And if you were watching, and this movie came out 20, 30 years ago, people my age would be telling me how, oh my God, I used to grow up with that movie. This movie's good. You know, what's funny is I'm, let's maybe in 10 years, and in 15 years, when all the kids that watch this movie mm-hmm. now, when they watch it, when when they are making their podcasts and when they're telling people about movies they watch when they grow up, I wonder how this will change.
0: You know? This will be like a, right. a
1: forgotten gem that right.
0: people will talk about again. Yeah. About.
1: And and here's the other thing. Like, I watch a lot of movies. Uh, and, and, you know, there are a lot of movies that I enjoy. There's a lot of movies that don't I like, like, don't like. I don't run to Rotten Tomatoes to put my review up to let everyone know. So you know that's the thing. The people while that, do that are mostly trolls but. right well while that's great and all that's not a true reflection of what people feel about well, i movies. guess yeah. and and you know what the whole purpose of this podcast and and is that you can't like stuff that people don't like and vice versa yeah i disagree with those ratings sure <laughs> but i do too i think this is a very good film all right so do you want to wrap it up yeah sure
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well first House with a Clock in Its Walls is available on Showtime On Demand if you want to watch it if you have Showtime. <laughs> you can also see it on Hulu and Amazon as well.
1: Look at you. What Did you guys get a paycheck or something from Showtime?
0: Well, I, we were talking about how we wanted to say where people could get it if we got well, it. Well, there you go. Without renting
1: it. So, there you go. We sell it on Showtime. There you go. Because we have Showtime. Do you have Showtime? If you don't? Sorry. Showtime it's, out, it's a. It's got a 4K rest, uh, Blu-ray out there. Yeah. I mean, the movie
0: looks good. It's yeah.
1: Well. Oh, we didn't even talk about William Snakespeare.
0: The purple snakes octopus. Yes, <laughs> the uh, snake octopus.
1: That's right. That's right. I don't know. I was a fan of that.
0: You know, I've never had Ovaltine.
1: It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's it's not great. <laughs> I mean, is it, is it even still out? I don't know. I
0: was wondering when I was watching. I was like, can I even still try it? Well, though that
1: decoder ring that is it was never inside the Ovaltine. You had to get enough. Uh, credits or you had to get enough oval team packages send away to send away right. to get it sent to you. So nice. you couldn't just dump out oval team. Well that seems funny when it's like oh he's like three oval teams and we'll take, we'll take the gumballs. You can't even produce you can't even prove that he did that.
0: Exactly. The gumballs just fell on their own yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, fat kid who sees the ice cream get like he's almost done and then the sundae gets huge yeah. and get small again. It's but,
1: small. And the kid next to him on the counter is like listening. He's just like oh that's great. See <laughs> <laughs> the end of the world, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So that's it. Um, I don't know. I got nothing else. Yeah, that's all I got. So join us next week, which we're going to be doing a movie that I never seen, never heard from, never heard of. Yeah. Uh, we're doing "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark."
0: These don't end up well for me though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" and uh, 2010 movie starring Guy Pearce and Katie Holmes, produced by Guillermo del Toro, not directed. We thought it was we thought it was directed a little bit. I and mean, who else is in that? Did you, anyone? I just don't remember it. I, I mean, it's been like so. ten I mean, years. All I ago.
0: remember is Katie Holmes. I mean, it's really just Katie Holmes' movie.
1: Oh, really? Maybe the little girl a little bit too, but all right. yeah. Well, that's next week. Uh, so as we as forgotten horror rolls along, um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, does it roll or does it shamble? Oh, shamble! Does zombie shamble, right? Do they really? Yeah, I don't know. They shamble. I never heard that before. Okay.
0: They like I don't know. <laughs> if you like what if you're like what
1: you hearing, uh, if you disagree with us or agree with us, hey, hit us up. We are at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. We are also on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also send us an email at ForgottenCinemaPod at gmail.com. We're also a member of Forgotten Entertainment. We're all, we're all over the place. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. We try to post every day. We try to post every weekday. And we've got a, I'm sure after you've listened to this tomorrow, which will be Thursday, You'll hear our, you'll see our video, which, whatever, it is, which we have no idea what we're gonna do yet because that's ten weeks away. Uh, I've got nothing else to add, Mike. Do you?
0: I messed up my bruise. No, nice. I've got nothing. I've got
1: nothing. <laughs> Mike's me. referring to we're gonna be shooting a commercial for a movie that that you have already listened to, uh, and he's supposed to have a bruise on there. He's got a fake uh, bruise makeup there and fake uh, bruise. I punched myself in the eye and, twenty times. Well, he just and he just rubbed <laughs> it and he just he just uh, he just made it worse. So my we apologize in 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 advance. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten.
0: (laughs) Keep it spooky.